This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I am your host. My name is Art Wiederman, and I am a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California uh, in the city of Tustin. And we're recording today on the 14th of May. We're about two months into the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, I've been spending the last several weeks of our podcast talking about the SBA programs, the PPP loans, the EIDL loans, and, and all that stuff. And as I've told you all, uh, we've been putting timestamps on this and uh, letting everybody know the most updated information. And uh, I am recording today with one of my dearest, dearest friends in dentistry and probably the premier dental coach in the world, uh, Gary Takis. Uh, Gary and I have been friends for 20 years. Gary is actually the individual that said to me in my kitchen one day, you know, Art, you ought to do a podcast. And I said, Gary, what the heck is a podcast? And, um, well, this is now episode number 74, I believe, 74 or 75. It might be 75. And so anyway, Gary and I are going to talk today about what it is that you need to do to properly open your office and the communication with your patients. And the great thing about Gary is that Gary is not only a great coach, but Gary is the co-owner of a dental practice in Arizona with two dentists, and, and that's kind of his lab. So we're going to let him tell his story about not only what is he telling his clients about how do we go forward, but but what's he done in his actual practice. But before we do that, uh, I'll give you some information. The information is that if you want to get a hold of me at my office, uh, I'm at 714-505-9000. Or send me an email at artweederman at gmail.com. I have literally answered hundreds of emails. I am current on my emails and my calls. If I don't get back to you, please be patient. It's been crazy. Um, listen to our partner. Uh, look at our partner's website, Decisions in Dentistry, which is www.decisionsanddentistry.com. They've got fantastic clinical content. Uh, their advisory board is a who's who of dentistry in the world. A lot of great information on COVID-19 and PPE and all this kind of stuff. And if you are not working with a dental-specific CPA, uh, if there's ever been a time in your life that I think you need to do that, now's the time. The Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 9,000 dentists, and we have been in in very close partnership and actually putting out joint letters and, and guidance uh, to the 163,000 members of the American Dental Association. Uh, Megan Mortimer and Michael Graham of the ADA have been unbelievable. Go to our website. Go to our website at www.adcpa.org. Org. So uh, my guest, as I mentioned earlier, needs absolutely no introduction. Gary is the, uh, what are you, Gary, the podfather? Is that what we call you? Oh, the nickname that I got was the podfather since I was the uh, very first uh, 
dental podcaster. I created my thriving dentist show in late uh, 2011. And there was a group of uh, dentists that nicknamed me the Podfather. And that was either art. There was two possible motivations for that. It was either because it was the very first dental podcast, or it was because I'm old. <laughs> well, well get, get, I'm going to go with the fur. I'm going to go with well, the former and, and say it was because it was. was well, the very you, first dental you and I, you and I are about. I, I think you and I are within a couple of months, about the same age. I have a We're the same vintage, little really? more. Yeah, same same vintage, like a, like a wine, uh, same age. Uh, but um, Gary has been. Uh, so if if you have been. Uh, not listening to podcasts. Gary has two podcasts. Uh, his primary podcast is the Thriving Dentist Show, which is what are you at four, five hundred episodes now? How many? Yeah, we pu- we publish every Wednesday, and uh, as we're recording this, Wednesday was yesterday. That was our four hundred and thirty fifth episode. When I started it, I made a commitment, Art, that uh, I would publish a new show every Wednesday, and uh, we have a four hundred and thirty five week. Um, a history of publishing a new episode every yeah. week. If you have not listened to Gary Takis's show, it's called The Thriving Dentist Show. Uh, you need to be listening to it. Go into the archives, subscribe to it. Um, uh, I'm a little behind you. I'm at about 75, but it's been a fun ride. I thank you uh, for getting awesome. me into that. And Gary also does a great show. Uh, uh, talk about your other one you do with Naren about uh, insurance dependence. Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Less Insurance Dependence Podcast. And this is, we started this about a year and a half ago. Uh, we're on episode 84, 85, something like that now. Um, and that uh, that's a short format podcast. It's about 15 minutes long. And it's all about how to successfully reduce insurance dependence. Uh, and uh, it's it's tactical. It's made to share with the team. It's, it's how to successfully... Uh, go out of network uh, with with PPO plans. Uh, we call it the less insurance dependence, not necessarily the, the fee for service podcast, because right. in some cases we may want to uh, keep a plan or two if it made sense, you know, in a particular practice community and so on. Uh, or they can go all the way and become like us, become like my own practice, become a fee for service practice. What motivated that podcast art was that when we bought our practice, initially it was Dr. Paul Nielsen and myself, as you, you know, the history. Of course. That was May of 07. And we, uh, we bought a practice that, uh, was a fixer upper in, in every way, you know, orange shag car- carpet, uh, ankle high orange shag carpet, avocado green countertop, zero technology, paper charts. Uh, however, it had about a thousand active patients, all of whom needed treatment. And so we thought, wow, this is, this is a practice that has a lot of potential. But what we didn't know are, uh, we discovered about two months later, the practice was infected with PPO plans. I asked the office manager, I said, Rhonda, how many PPO plans are we on? She said, I think maybe 12. Well, it turned out the number was 34. So we had 34 PPO plans and we were able to successfully go out of network. And so much of the, uh, uh, the content in that second podcast, the Less Insurance Dependence podcast, is all about the work we did in my own practice that we've now done with hundreds of practices around the country to help dentists regain control of their practice, regain control of their fees, um, and enhance their profitability. Uh, maybe with the the most strategic decision they could possibly well, make. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let you share some of your great knowledge and all this stuff. But before we do that, I have a little entertainment, Gary. We talked about this before the show. 
So we've talked about the uses of the payroll protection program funds, and you're supposed to use it for payroll and rent and utilities and, and interest. But there was a gentleman in Atlanta. This was on the internet last night. Um, apparently a, um, a, a star on TV in love and hip hop Atlanta, a guy named Maurice Fain. This is on the internet now. Apparently he was arrested on federal charges for bank fraud. And so, um, he had a company, he created a trucking company, and he got $2,045,000 in PPP money. Uh, he is, I'm reading from the article, quote, he is accused of using the PPP loan to buy 85000 in jewelry, including a Rolex presidential watch, a diamond bracelet, a 5.73 carat diamond ring for himself, and to pay $40,000 of child support with the money. And the government said, that's not what it was intended for. Now, Gary... Gary, that's not what you and I have talked about. I mean, you and I have talked about taking this PPP money and going over to Scotland and playing the old course and Carnoustie and Glen Eagle, right? Isn't that right? Well, Art, you are doing, you are doing such a, a public service to your listeners because if you have any listeners that are thinking about buying, you know, the, the big thick gold chain, right? You know, with a with a medallion. You know, with maybe the dollar bill medallion, you know, gold plated. If they're thinking of using their PPP money for that, uh, let notice be served that that probably wouldn't be the best decision. What do you think, Art? Uh, probably not forgivable, although they could use it as a loan, uh, pay back over two years at 1%. So anyway, who knows? Mm -hmm. I, I just I just thought I'd bring that up for entertainment. I want to get. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, yeah. Art. You know, we got to have some humor in this. I, there's, um, yeah. There's, hey, hey, before we start, I I, I want to thank you, Art. Uh, you and your uh, ADCPA colleagues. I know you've been working in overdrive uh, in the midst of all this pandemic, uh, and the ADCPA. Uh, you know, I've had a, a number of your members on my podcast, uh, Robbie Apple. Sure. Uh, you know, being being one yourself, you know, on my podcast. And if any of your listeners aren't familiar with the great work that the ADCPA does, the Academy of Dental uh, CPAs uh, does, they really need to learn about the ADCPA, and they'd be very wise uh, to engage the services of of uh, ADCPA. You 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 remember Art that when I bought my practice in May of '07, and it closed. I think it closed on a four uh, four p.m. on a Friday afternoon. And I closed transactionally. You know, the the we we were now the owners. The very first phone call I made was to you. Yeah. And I said, Art, I I got uh, two. You know, you're you know, we always have all kinds of things to talk about when we talk. But I said I'm calling for two reasons. Number one, to tell you that I now own a dental practice, uh, and then number two is I need a referral. Uh, of an ADCPA member that can be our uh, accounting firm. And that was the call I made to you. Uh, I, you know, the ink was still wet on our loan documents right. when we bought that practice. So, well, you, but if you're listening to this, if you don't already use the services of an ADCPA member, you would be very well served. Uh, your members, 24 members around the country, uh, 24 member firms around the country representing over 9,000 dental offices. You guys know dental accounting and dental finance. Like like dentists know clinical treatment. Um, wow. So thank you for all you do, and thank you for all you're doing to provide guidance to dentists through the EIA, EI uh, LD process, uh, through the PPP process, now through the regulations relative to forgiveness. Yeah, uh, man, uh, you're you're in overdrive. Well, it, it has been, and, and as I've told, you know, you, you taught me about legacy. 
Uh, if you've ever seen Gary lecture, he does a great piece, which is a a video of Led Zeppelin um, at the pre- at the um, what was it the president's um, at, at, Ken- Kennedy at the Award. Kennedy Award Center. Award. Center. Yeah, and 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 so what what happens is is that is that they played Led Zeppelin. And Gary uses that to talk about legacy, and I've used the term legacy. I stole it from Gary. This is a legacy moment for the Academy of Dental CPAs. Uh, we are literally the first responders in the financial world. You know, obviously, we're not doing anything near what the amazing, amazing human beings who work in the hospitals uh, are doing. They, they, they just should be. There's a place in heaven for all of them. But we are the first responders on the the financial front, and, and we've done that. And and this is what we have to do because there, I, I hope that in your lifetime, in my lifetime, in our kids' lifetime, that we never see anything like this again once this is hopefully done and whenever it gets done. But anyway, let, let's get into our topic, Gary. So first of all, tell me, I mean, you you speak to people all over the country. What's the last seven weeks been like? What are you hearing? What are people saying to you? What kind of advice are you giving? Let's start with that. You know, our, it's been a challenge, uh, you know, for, for everyone. And you know, came out of left field, uh, and and literally, you know, we we all got kicked in the teeth. Uh, we with did, this. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting um, because the shutdowns. You know, first we had uh, you know the evidence of the pandemic, and then it growing, and then pretty quickly uh, developed into into shutdowns. Um, and initially, um, you know, the shutdowns were uh, to uh, uh, flatten the curve. You know, as as we knew, which was to uh, reduce the hospitals from becoming, you know, overwhelmed, um, and uh, you know, everybody, you know, I, I give credit to our profession for responding very nobly, and and doing what was asked uh, to uh, you know to protect the the population. Uh, we followed the CDC guidelines. Um, we were shut down. My office is called Life Smiles Dental Care. Uh, today we're a two doctor practice: Dr. Paul Nielsen, Dr. Tim Schmidt. Uh, we have 16 full-time team members. We're a hygiene-driven practice. We have uh, 16 days of hygiene a week. So I've got four hygienists each work four days a week. We're open Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And Friday from 7 to 2. Um, a little bit about Life Smiles. We'll talk more about that. But, right. you know, it's, it's really caught everyone, um, you know, really off guard. Um, and uh, now we stayed, we, we provided emergency services in my practice per the CDC guidelines. And initially we didn't really know what to expect. You know, we didn't know, are we going to get a, you know, is there going to be a a call a day, you know, for emergency care, whatever. But we made a decision to provide emergency care art, because if you think about it, if we weren't available to provide emergency care, the only alternative would be for a patient to go to the emergency room. And there isn't a hospital in the United States that's equipped to provide dental care in the emergency room. No, no, no. Um, They would give them, you know, maybe a prescription. And at the time, we were concerned about ERs being filled with COVID-19 patients and we didn't want people to get exposed to that in the process of, you know, getting, you know, an, an emergency dental visit in the hospital. So we said, we'll be open um, for emergency care. And, and that's what we did uh, up until May 4th, um, uh, Monday, May 4th in Arizona. Uh, actually, May 1st, we were able to open up under a phase one uh, plan okay. uh, here in, in our state, May 1st. That was a Friday. We chose to wait to open until Monday, May 4th. Um, and we, and I'll talk more about what we've done in that time period. 
but one of the things that I've done in this, uh, uh, obviously, I've had to respond in different ways as a coach. Uh, in, in some of the same things you've had to respond to, but mine more related to practice management stuff. How do we handle this? And one of the things that we've done in my own practice, and I've suggested to all of our clients, uh, you know, Art, that my undergraduate degree is in history. I do know that. And I love everything about history. And uh, I reflected back historically. And in 1932, we had a newly elected president, FDR, Franklin oh, yeah. Delano Roosevelt. Uh, he followed Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover was the president that unfortunately was uh, at the reins during the Great Depression. Right. And when FDR was elected president, he coined a phrase that has carried forward to this day. And the phrase is his first 100 days plan. First right. 100 days plan. Right. And what FDR wanted to do was he wanted the country to come roaring back you know, from the Great Depression and begin the process of recovery. And he knew that the first 100 days of his administration, what was going to be a very important uh, movement to get things moving in the right direction. So I borrowed and pretty much every president since then uh, in their first administration has had a first 100 days plan. If you go back to 1932, every president. So I decided to borrow that phrase and I've created not only for Life Smiles, but for every one of our clients, a first 100 days plan. And what that refers to is the first 100 business days after you open back up. Right. And with the, and, and, you know, if you do the math on that, depending on how many days a week you're working, that's about five months. Okay. So for us, opening up, reopening on May 4th, that takes us to the end of December or excuse me, the end of September, right. the end of September is five months. Right. And so one of the goals that we have, and I would like to share with your listeners that I would encourage them to embrace this as well. Uh, there's opportunity in the midst of crisis. There's opportunity in the midst of crisis. So would, would you agree with that? Oh my goodness. This, this is, this is, there are people who are not going to embrace this. It's horrible. We all know it, but there are people who are going to step up with the leadership that they need to do, which is, I'm sure, what you're encouraging people to do. And absolutely, you're right. Yeah. And again, not to take anything away from the suffering, from the loss, uh, from the health crisis that we're all, we've been through and are still going through. Let's recognize that. So the first thing we need to do when we reopen is to make sure that the office is a safe place. Uh, it's safe for your patients, for yourself, for your team members. And I'm very confident of our profession, by the way, Art. You know, you and I have been around long enough um, to remember, uh, you know, the, the AIDS virus. Yes. And, and really where the genesis of our modern infection controls originated from, uh, really it was that AIDS virus and the uh, correct assumption back then that uh, if you got that, it was a death sentence. Right. Um, and so we had to complete, and, and dentists were taught to practice infection control measures as if every single patient had the AIDS virus. Right. And of course, that's all been advanced. And, you know, one thing we can't assume that every practice in the country follows the same, you know, uh, uh, protocols on, uh, you know, sepsis and infection control. But if you're following modern degree, you know, of, of sepsis and infection control, uh, I believe the dental office is a safe place, especially with the advent of the new protocols around 
you know, PPE and other mitigation but, measures to make it a safe environment. So, Gary, let, let's talk about this because this is really important. You know, there's going to be trepidation and patience, afraid. They, they've heard things on the news. I was listening to uh, one of the, the major national morning news shows yesterday, and they asked the doctor on the show, well, is it safe to go to the dental office and say, yeah, we believe it's safe. But, you know, if, if you just need a regular cleaning, put that off. I mean, that's what 30 million people heard on that morning show. And I have, I have such an issue with that message. I know. I, 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 I yelled at the TV, Gary, Gary, my wife and my, my adult son, Nathan, were sitting there. And, and I said, I said, you blah, 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 blah. I was so angry when I heard that. I wish they would have called me for that show because here's what I would have said. For the last 30 to 40 years, we have amassed so much science and information about how the mouth is connected to your overall body health. Right. And while art, while, while there's a lot of things we don't know about the COVID-19 virus, that, let's acknowledge that there's a lot of things we don't know. One thing that we do know is that the strongest, the stronger your immune system is, the better you are prepared uh, you know, f- uh, to reduce the impact of the COVID-19 virus. The better your immune system is, the stronger your immune system is, the better your body is prepared to fight the COVID-19 virus. And if you have an infection in your mouth, which, you know, we, we also know is periodontal disease. Right. Uh, but if you have an infection in your mouth, which by some estimates, uh, two thirds of the adult population in, in, in the U.S. has an infection in their mouth, then your immune system is less prepared to fight off infection in other areas. So how in the world that I'm going to, I'm on my soapbox. How in the world that dentistry could have been considered non-essential is one of the greatest travesties of this entire pandemic. Yeah, I, I, and, I think they were just considered now, they were added as the number four essential uh, healthcare profession. Yeah. Uh, and, and, we, you know, and we've worked for over 40 years to help patients understand that your mouth is connected to your overall body health. Uh, I, I've had uh, Brad Bale. Brad Bale's a, a physician who's written a New York Times bestselling book called Beat the Heart Attack Gene. And he's probably the physician that's the most knowledgeable about the oral systemic connection. And I love his quote. His quote, and this comes from a physician, Art, you have to understand this. This would make sense if it came from a dentist, but it's not a dentist, it's a physician. Right. And he said, all good health begins with the mouth. Yep. Isn't that the message that we want to get out there? <laughs> um, so this first 100, 100 days plan. So let me uh, switch my cat, cap on and put my green visor on. Okay, <laughs> My green visor. Do you have your green eye shade and your pencil? You have your pencil <laughs> right. protector holder on your shirt? I do. Okay, I want to make I, sure. I can't hold a candle to you, Art, in yeah. this area, but, uh, but let, me, let me share some thoughts. Um, one of our goals at my practice is to, to be better tomorrow than we are today. You know, that's, that's what we, we want to be better tomorrow than we are today. And we apply that to the economics of our practice. And as of right now, I can say, as of right now, that I'm on a 12-year win streak. In other words, every year has been our new best year. Every year, since the time we bought it in 07 through 2019, which is the most recent year we have uh, on record. And I, for one, am not throwing the towel in on 2020. So even though we'll have been shut down for eight weeks, 
I am not rolling over and saying that we're going to, you know, we'll put an asterisk next to 2020 and call it the COVID-19 asterisk. And we're just rolling over and giving up. No, we want our numbers, our collections in 2020 to be better than they were in 2019. That would be amazing. So our plan on the first 100 days plan, our goal. Now, this is a this is a world-class goal. This is Olympian, uh, world-class, right. you know, uh, uh, Phil Mickelson level, you, know, you and I like <laughs> exactly. to call it, exactly. Phil Mickelson level Exactly, goal. yeah. Uh, the goal would be to replace any lost income by the end of those 100 days. Which is now, not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen in May uh, and June. No, but. But you got to look at it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's right, marathon, right, 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 right. But I've got a fallback. I've got a fallback, Art, because that's aggressive. I've got, Art, I've got 800 hygiene appointments to make up. Right. 800. Right. Those are the lost hygiene appointments that happened during the shutdown. 800 of those. And, and by the way, we're book, you know, we book out six months advance. We don't have room for those people once we open back up, we had to make, make a plan. So we'll talk more about that. Yeah. But um, our goal is to make up any lost production by the end of September. So Gary, what was your plan to make up those 800 hygiene appointments? Well, we sat down with the team, Art, and, and uh, you know, we, everyone recognized the challenge. Uh, and we talked to our patients about keeping a regular schedule of hygiene appointments is very important for two reasons. Number one, it helps us keep you as healthy as possible. And number two, it reduces your first your your uh, future dental expenses. Right. So we didn't want to uh, lack integrity with that message that we've been delivering all along. So as we were in a team meeting talking about, okay, let's come up with some ideas. Let's uh, let's get out a, a, a clean. Uh, let's you know, it's a, we have a whiteboard in our team room. Uh, let's let's wipe the whiteboard clean. Let's start with the clean slate. What? Let's just brainstorm. Let's talk about some ideas. And uh, our hygienist said. Hey guys, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, what do you think about us opening some Saturdays just for hygiene? And we could have just one doc, you know, we're a two doctor practice. We could have one doc and we could have the doc not scheduled with any restorative treatment and just rotate through the rooms and do hygiene exams. Just hygiene checks. Yeah. Um, hygiene checks. And uh, the hygienist suggested this and they said, you know, that would also be good. We'd like to make up some hours, you know, uh, we, we've, been furloughed. We'd like to, to make up some hours. And, and secondly, there might be some people that are now back to work and might find it difficult to take time off during the work week to keep their hygiene appointments because of what they've just been through. And so they suggested, and they said, we don't plan on doing this forever, but this might be a good thing to make up. And we did the math and we discovered that we could make up those 800 hygiene appointments in 14 Saturdays. Wow. 14 Saturdays. Wow. And now, and and because we have two docs, that would represent seven Saturdays each. Now, when you start to break it down like that, it doesn't seem so ominous, does it? No. Both Paul and Tim said, hey, guys, that's that's doable. We, we can, can do, do that. that. And then all the restorative that. that's going to come out of that. And, and all the restorative that comes out of it. And yeah. so we actually could uh, hit that finish line of the end of September, September 30th, having made up the production that we lost in March and April. So Gary, let me, let me go back to, you said you opened May, May 1st or May 4th, right? May 4th, May May 4th. 4th. So what would, what did you do a week before, two weeks before in anticipation? Did you start calling all the patients and booking and what were you saying? Well, we, we communicated with our patients all along. We have, uh, as many of your listeners will, pretty sophisticated communication. We can communicate by text, uh, by email, and of course, by phone. 
Right. By the way, one of the things we did during the downtime, and for those of you that are still down, I, I would encourage you to do this. One of the things we did uh, was we had we put together a list of patients that we wanted to communicate with during the pandemic, and and we would use whatever whatever communication method was most that uh, favored by them. So it could be text message, it could be email, it could be phone call. And Paul and Tim um, and a couple of our team members reached out to team members. And, it, you know, it might, Art, let's assume you're a, 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 a patient of ours. We love you. Right. And, and let's assume that you own a restaurant. Okay. Uh, you know, so Paul would call you. Hey, Art, it's, it's, it's Paul, your dentist. Um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, all this craziness going on. I just want to call and check in with you. How are you doing? I, I know you own a restaurant. I imagine you've been affected by this. How are you doing? Oh, it's been, it's Gary, it's been tough. I mean, we're doing, we're, we're hanging on by a thread. We're doing takeout orders. We're, 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 we're putting stuff on our website, but it, it's been tough. Oh man, I get it. I, I get it, Art. And I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. Um, when it's possible to be back open, you can count on me and uh, my family coming in. We'll be supporting. We'll be doing some takeout from you. Right. Um, and if there's anything I can do to help, would you uh, please let me know? Oh, um, my God. And, you know, and early on in the first week, um, uh, Meg, one of my team members, reached out to a, uh, an older patient. She was uh, 82. And uh, I won't use her name out of difference confidentiality, but Meg just said, I was just calling, you know, your dental officer's calling to see how you're doing. And, and she said, I, I have a question, but I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. Remember, this was like mid-March. Right. You have to go back and understand. She said, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask. And, and Meg said, no, there, there's no silly questions. Uh, uh, what are you thinking? What's your question? She said, you know, I don't, I don't watch the news. And I, um, I, I don't watch much TV, but what's going on? She said, I went to the grocery store today and it was crazy. I, I, some aisles, they had like, there were shelves completely empty. So this was a woman and, and, and Art, I should have made the preface that said, this woman has all of her faculty. Right. This is not someone that is suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's. I mean, she has all of her faculty, but she's 82 years old. Um, went to the grocery store that day and said, and it was Meg that, oh, well, you know, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. And she took 20 minutes and talked to her about what was going on. Right. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is that there's never been a better time to strengthen the relationship side of your practice by reaching out to your patients. And, and what are your patients say? What are the patients at, at, um, at your practice? What are, what are they saying to your team members when they make those phone calls? Uh, I mean, it's universal. Uh, you know, we have to be careful about using absolutes are right. like always and never right. <laughs> right. 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 But I can use an absolute here. It's, it's absolute. Thank you for, for calling. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for keeping in touch. It, it, that's universal. It's been universal appreciation. So, so what are you hearing about the patients, any kind of reluctance to come yeah. into a dental office and, 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 and maybe give our listeners a t some tips as like, what do they say if, if if Art Wiederman gets the call from uh, from Life Smiles and and it, well you know I I'm I've got it and I my listeners know I have asthma I have asthma and I've I've been I'm really worried about you know is it really safe to come into your office What do you say What do you yeah. give us Give us some pearls Yeah So one one decision that we made as we started working on our schedule uh, By the way the first couple of weeks that you reopen you want to be very intentional about your schedule You want to be more intentional than you've ever been because if you're not you're going to get overrun. If you're not intentional about what you're scheduling, you're going to get overrun 
by emergency patients because now they've been not able to go to the dentist for the last, you know, eight weeks or longer. And they didn't, maybe whatever they're experiencing hadn't elevated to an emergency in their mind. So they didn't want to call and come in on an emergency basis, but now they're going to come into your office because you're open. And if you're not careful, you're going to have two weeks full of nothing but, you know, single tooth, simple extractions. Right. Um, and yes, we have to take care of those people. Yes, we have to take care of those people. But we also want to make sure that we're able to, you know, have some realistic production goals. So we made a decision in the first couple of weeks that we would run at about two thirds strength, about two thirds, just to kind of give us an idea of what the additional protocols we're going to take as far as time. Uh, you know, just as simple as, you know, uh, for example, like many offices, we're asking our patients to consider their car to be our reception room. Right. Uh, you know, that's again, per CDC guidelines and social distancing. So uh, Art, when you come in, park in the parking lot like you always have, give us a call. You know the phone number. Make sure you have it in your phone. Give us a call. Uh, we'll acknowledge your call. And then we'll text you when to come in for your appointment. We'll text. So stay in your car. Uh, we'll text you. When you come in, uh, uh, Heidi will greet you at the front door. She'll be your assistant today. She'll greet you at the front door and she'll walk you straight back into the treatment room. So we didn't know like how long this extra stuff was going to take. Um, so uh, we decided to kind of run it about two thirds schedule just to kind of get our arms around this with the idea of, you know, week by week, you know, ramping up to get to 100%. Right. Um, and one of the decisions we made is that, um, we were suggesting to any of our patients 75 and older, and, we, and we're in Arizona, we have uh, a, a diverse patient base, but we certainly have some older patients, uh, as evident by our population here in Arizona. And we're recommending to patients 75 and older that we push their schedule out, push their appointment out a little bit, say to the end of June. So Art, you're not in that age group, but if you were, you know, we would say, you know, Art, um, uh, because of the COVID-19 virus, um, what I'd like to suggest is that we reschedule your appointment to, let's say, the end of June, and then we'll check back in with you between now and then. Uh, and so we're pushing them off. The other thing we trained our team to say was that if any patient expressed any apprehension, so you got to be really good at listening for this. Like, I don't know, Meg, I'm just not so sure. Then we're doing the same thing. You, you know what, Art? Completely understand. Let's do this. Let's get an appointment for you. Let's go out to, say, the third week of June, fourth week of June. Let's grab an appointment for you. I'll check in with you well before then and, and just kind of take your pulse and see how we're doing. So we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not going to pound a square peg in the round hole. If the patient isn't comfortable. And then we're also, of course, we know a lot about our patients' medical conditions and any, you know, uh, uh, compromised immune system patients. We're, we're just pushing them out a little bit. Just till we get more information, so, more experience with this. So, Gary, what what um, did you and do? It's working really well. Oh yeah, what did you do? Like when you were closed, did you um, did you did you guys do teledentistry? Did you do stuff on your website? Yeah, yeah I think teledentistry, in, in my opinion, is is a misnomer. Okay, you can't do dentistry remotely, guys. Right. I mean, right. if you can, let me know when that happens. Or <laughs> but but virtual consults is what we should be calling it. Okay. Not teledentistry. I mean, we should be calling it virtual consults. Right. So, yes, we initiated virtual consults. Uh, initially, we did it through a, just, you know, uh, FaceTime. On, on So, we were screening all of our emergency patients. We're screening them for their health condition, making sure they didn't have COVID-19, making sure no one in their household had COVID-19, but also determining whether, in fact, they really did have an emergency. Mm -hmm. You know, and it wasn't just, you know, something that could be 
could be delayed, uh, could be treated later. And so we were just initially using, uh, you know, uh, FaceTime and uh, connecting with patients that way. And then quickly we put it in. Uh, uh, my marketing company came up with a uh, Niren at yeah. uh, Equa Digital Marketing came out with a brilliant um, uh, uh, virtual consult uh, app, uh, you know, that we could use. And we reached out to a lot of patients. Uh, we reached out a lot through there. And, you know, think about how brilliant the virtual consults are. Uh, they can be in the comfort of their home. You can be anywhere. We can talk to patients. Um, we can, you know, we have our digital records that we have that we can pull up through technology. And we can do consults like that uh, that are different than the way we've done those traditionally face-to-face. And so, yes, we did we did virtual consults and we did a ton of those, kind of got our arms around that. And we'll be doing that more proactively in the future. The other thing that we did is we really made sure to stay close with our team. Yeah, that's how I wanted to talk about that. That's really important. uh, Very important. And and, and you know what? This is a time for dentists to exercise their highest level of emotional intelligence. Highest level. What what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is recognizing your emotions, the emotions of others, and responding with regard to those emotions to guide the situation to the desired result. That's all emotional intelligence is. It's recognizes your own emotion, the emotions of others, and and recognizing those emotions and guiding the situation towards your desired result. And so as we met with team members, it was how are you doing? I mean, how are you doing with our our single parent school teaching, you know, our single parent moms, um, you know, single moms, like how are you doing with the home care now? Because uh, and and the homeschooling now, the school's out. You know, how are you doing with this? Right. Do you need anything? Um, and and I mean, and you have to recognize that it seems like the public response on on the virus truly ranges. In, in almost 180 degree opposite reactions, you know, from one extreme to the other. For, for some people, you know, uh, their, their, their emotions are, oh, this is really no big deal. It's, it's like, a, 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 like a regular flu, right? Right. And then on the other side, outright fear. Well, it, it could outright be. Outright fear yeah. and, and just, you know, just like, uh, just, just panic stricken fear. And I think this is the time to, to, be non-judgmental and to meet people when where they are, compassion. Uh, regardless of what your own feeling is, with compassion, with empathy and understanding, and support. Right. Um, and we offered support to our team. Said, you know, hey, let us know. We, you know, stay in touch. And we did regular uh, Zoom meetings, you know, uh, but with videos and staying in touch with everyone. We celebrated some birthdays of the team by Zoom. You know, we stayed very close. Hey. Um, and you know, I think that helped them feel like. Their work family was in touch with them. They weren't left out. You know, they weren't just strung out there by themselves. Well, one of the things, Gary, that, that's that's a little disturbing to me in talking to some of my clients and dentists out there. I, I'm asking them. I say, so are you talking to your team? Well, a little bit. Well, have you done a Zoom meeting? Have you have you talked to them individually? Well, not really. Talk about how important leadership is right now. Oh, it's critical, Art. It's absolutely critical. You got to struggle with leadership. It wasn't something they felt like they have either a natural skill set or much training on. Uh, but man, this is a time to rise up. Um, and this is a time to be, uh, you know, it, it's really a time to uh, be the leader that you would want if you were them in this situation. 
you know, uh, imagine, and we have a number of uh, single moms, you know, as amazing team. You know, I think of my work family are as, as, uh, as just that, as a family. Um, oh, exactly. And here's the, in, in some ways, uh, uh, like them even more than my biological family. <laughs> Yeah. Can well, I say that? <laughs> well, 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 you know, you know, Gary, th- this is going out on the internet. Um, does Therese listen to your podcasts? Or, well, not not the reference that I was thinking of there on that one for sure. Um, but, I, I, uh, I know you're solid. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, uh, there's some other family members that do fit that category, uh, but uh, no, this is a time to really lead, to guide, to be stabilizing. You know, um, doctors for. For some of your team members, you are the most positive thing they have in their life. Yeah. Your, your, your practice, the, the, the career that they have with you, the relationship that they have you know, with their coworkers is the most positive thing they have in their lives. And you need to be a, you need to be a lighthouse here. You need to be a shining beacon. And you need, you know, there, there's really, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a time for, for three things when it comes to, to our, to our team, team members. And, and so if I can distill leadership down to just three oh, things, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's um, uh, number one, it, it is a time for leadership. It's a time for leadership with our team members, with our families uh, and with our patients and with our community. It's a time for leadership yeah. on that. Um, secondly, um, I want you to lead with an optimistic spirit. Now, I don't mean just don't worry, be happy, but lead optimistically. Lead, you know, with, make sure your spirit and your tone leans towards the optimistic side. Now, again, I don't mean to stick your head in the sand and pretend there aren't challenges going on. You know, imagine, imagine you have a team member, and we have one. Imagine you have a team member who's caring for an elderly parent. Right. And she's terrified because her elderly, you know, parent is one in the, in the very susceptible group. Uh, that may not be your situation, doctor, and you may not be able to identify it, but you've got to put yourself in that position. Or they could be in a nursing home, which is even scarier. Even scarier, yeah. right? The alternative to being taken care of at home by a family member would be in a nursing home, which would be even more terrifying. So number one, it's a time for leadership. Exercise that leadership. Um, number two, it's, it's a, a time for optimism. And number three, it's a time to develop your emotional intelligence. Think before you respond uh, and stabilize, you know, be, uh, have a, you know, if, if you're responding and you're feeling your blood pressure go up um, and you're, you're feeling your language change, you know, because yeah, you're, exactly. you're so, uh, you know, uh, emotional about it, catch yourself. I, I want you to take a second, Gary. So what are you doing to communicate with a dental profession. I know like, like me, I've done 25 webinars. You've done yeah. a, a stupid amount of, of, of communicating with, with thousands of dentists. So, so yeah. tell people how they can get a hold of you. What resources, because you, you it, it, folks, Gary Takis is as good as it gets, period. I wish I could just like every, every week have him on the podcast. It's not, not, he's not available, but it's, and, and, and he would be, but it's, it's just, his his information is so good. So what have you got? What what can you help well, folks with? So what I want everyone to know, and uh, and if you don't fully believe this, like in every ounce of your DNA, uh, take a jump in faith with me on this, and and that is this is truly an amazing time to be a dentist. Yeah, 
So if for some dentists, they've been shaken to the core on this. Uh, Art, I won't name the group because I don't want to be disparaging, but there was a, a very popular Facebook group uh, with over 20,000 de- dentist members in this group. That's a big group. That's a big group. And the question was, um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, how many of you would advise your son or daughter to become a dentist, to choose dentistry and become a dentist as a career path? And Art, I'm very sad to report that 98% of the responses were no. No. Tell me that's not true. No, that was in this group. And there was um, some of them explicative no. Uh, in, you know, there was an explicative in front of the no. And I have to tell you, I don't feel that way. I do not feel that way. Dentistry rocks. You've heard me say that. Oh, part. my God, yes. And, and it rocks. Why does it rock? It rocks because, doctors, you and your team members have the ability to change people's lives every day. You have the ability to change people's lives every day. Well, Gary, I talk- and not, only, not, only, yeah. not only change it, Art, but, but save lives. Oh. Art, if you have a listener that's 30, a 30-year-old dentist, and, and I'm deliberately picking that age because it's the data that I have. If you have a listener who's 30 years old, by the way, congratulations for uh, getting on Art's part, you know, listening to Art's part podcast so early in your career. If you're a dentist who's 30 years old, you will identify through oral cancer screening 14 cases of over, uh, oral cancer in your career. 14 cases. And because you're screening them so early, you're going to save 14 lives because you've likely caught it in the very earliest stage. Yeah. That's just oral cancer. If you're serious about diagnosing and treating uh, perio, you're going to enhance the lives of your patients um, through better oral health. And it's going to rep- it's going to represent better overall health. If you're involved in screening for or treating sleep apnea in your practice, Hey, you will save more lives again because of the tragedy of sleep apnea. Gary, let me, let me, let me jump in here. My dentist, and I will mention his name. I will give him a shout out. Dr. Scott West in Mission Viejo, California, probably saved my life. He diagnosed my sleep apnea and I've been with a CPAP for 15 years and I have to credit him. I, I might be dead. I mean, Reggie White. Reggie White, you and I are sports fans. Reggie White, Green Bay Packers, Hall of Fame, died at the age of 42 in his sleep from sleep apnea, was not diagnosed and not treated. And interestingly enough, you know, uh, uh, if if the dentist listeners are of a certain age, they were taught that the the, the at-risk group for sleep apnea would likely be male, would likely be heavy, um, and, you know, in terms of their weight, and would likely have uh, restricted uh, airway because of a very large neck. You know, that's who they're taught. But, but there's cases after case after case that, you know, a 32 year old female, you know, five foot four, 110 pounds dies in the middle of the night of sleep apnea. Right. Uh, and so now we, there's so many things we know about screening for and diagnosing for sleep apnea relative to airway that we have the ability to change people's, save lives, change lives. You know, the patient could show up in your office with some very compromised dentition. They have, they have a, I believe the kids would call it these days, Art, a jacked up grill, <laughs> right? So the patient shows up with a jacked up grill and through your wonderful uh, care, skill, and judgment, you provide them a gorgeous smile. And, and it literally transforms their personality. This person may have been apprehensive uh, before, may have been self-conscious, may have lacked 
self-confidence, may have been introverted because they just weren't comfortable with their appearance. And you see this person blossom into their full potential. And it doesn't have to be anything as elaborate as that. It could be something as simple as just being a listening set of ears to a patient that needed to be listened to today. Uh, You know, before the shutdown, uh, one of the things we do in our practice in the morning huddle, uh, Art, is the last question we do in the morning huddle. Uh, and we do it digitally because the uh, we have a you know a seventy inch plasma monitor up on the wall and we're all looking at it. And Paul or Tim asks the question, and it's asked to all sixteen of our team members: Whose life are we going to change today? Whose right. life are we? And we look at the schedule, and we intentionally choose someone. And I remember this day, and I remember it so well. It was back in February. It seems like February was a lifetime ago. Right? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. in February. And there was a patient on our schedule, um, of, of uh, older female patient uh, who had lost her husband uh, uh, three months earlier. And she instantly jumped out to all of us as, as whose life we were going to change that day. Uh, just through compassion, uh, just through, you know, uh, tender understanding and care. Uh, and that's what we get to do every day in dentistry. And I'm sorry, but dentistry, I disagree with, with 98% of those respondents said they wouldn't guide their, their, their children to become a dentist. And I think this is an amazing time. Hey, let's not stick our head in the sand and pretend that there aren't challenges, but we have been better equipped to handle, um, uh, you know, infection control, handle, you know, virus control in the practice. Uh, and I'm confident that moving forward uh, will prevail. Um, and I, I really want to leave an optimistic message to to our listeners that, uh, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, this isn't going to be the last speed bump you're going to hit in your career. No. No. Art, you and I have navigated. We're, we're the same vintage, so yeah. we've been through some of the same things. Yeah, uh, um, September 11th, 2001, the 2008 yeah. financial, SARS. Yeah. I mean, th- this is just part of being alive. And, and Gary, the thing that I say to people, and you and I have talked about this, is doctors, you're not just about fixing people's teeth. You're about a better life, a better job, a better relationship, a better self-esteem, I mean, yeah. and when I when I do a practice sale and we do a closing, Gary, what I do is I say to the seller, doctor, you've been a dentist for 42 years, and I want you to think about the thousands of people mm. that you have changed their lives for the better, and that's your legacy, right? Yeah, that's a legacy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean- And legacy, legacy doesn't happen from age 64 to 65 or 58 to 59 or whatever numbers you want to put in. Legacy happens- with the, the the small things we do every day to represent that. Now, right. Art, I'd like to finish with um, a challenge. Okay. Uh, may I do that? You may do anything you want, Mr. Takis. So something I want your listeners to think about, we hear a lot about, I can't wait for things to return to normal. And, and I have to say, Art, that on any given day, I find myself thinking those thoughts. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I mean, yeah. can't wait to be able to go visit you and, and grab a beach chair and go sit on the beach in Laguna Beach. Right. Right. Where we can actually sit on the beach. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can't do it now. Cannot do or, that. Now. Or or going to another. Uh, we've had a number of great meals together over the years, but having another amazing meal together. Right. You know, at a restaurant. I right. look forward to doing that. Me and, too. and in some ways, I do want things to return the same. However, Art, 
you and I have been at the seat of the, t- at the table to witness some interesting, we've had interesting observations during this crisis. And I can't speak to yours, but I can speak to mine. Uh, and let me share what I mean by that. As I have dealt with clients, uh, and, and not only clients, but just dentists, you know, in the profession that have reached out to me, I find that the effects of the coronavirus uh, pandemic and the shutdowns have sort of put dentists in two different camps. On one camp over here, um, this camp over here, and I'm, 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 I'm uh, looking at one side, have frankly, now, now none of this is any good. Any of this stuff is happening. None of, you know, closing your office and none of this is any good at all. But on one camp over here, they're doing just fine. That they've had, uh, they have a profitable practice. As a result of the profitability in their practice, they've been able to build up a personal uh, reserve, personal emergency fund. They've been able to develop a practice emergency fund. They've been able to uh, pay down their debt to keep their debt very manageable. Oftentimes, when they make major uh, purchases, they're able to do that with cash from the profitability of the practice. Uh, They have good advice from someone like Art Wiederman. And frankly, they're fine. It's not, they're not happy about any of this, but they're doing just fine. And on the other side, I've the polar opposite. It's literally sheer panic. There, and, and why? They have less profitability. As a result, less profitability. They haven't been able to build up enough personal savings and personal emergency fund. They haven't been able to put together enough of a practice emergency fund. Their debt is too high because they haven't been able to uh, reduce their debt and accelerate their debt payment. And they were literally, you know, uh, telling their advice. If I don't get this PPP, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I've had those calls, Gary. Okay. And what's the difference? And I'm going to be so bold as to say, if when you're thinking, do I want to go back to the way it was? If the way it was, if you can honestly step back and look at this objectively, if the way it was in your practice before the pandemic, if it was less than ideal, if it was, I'm working too hard for too little. I didn't have good work-life balance. You know, everybody, you know, we all, for, for years, Art, that one of the challenges in dentistry is to have a good work-life balance. And isn't it crazy? We just did it. You're going to work like a mule in January and February. You're going to take March and April off. <laughs> now, I don't think that's what Well, that wasn't my balance. life, Gary. Maybe it was yours, but that wasn't <laughs> not mine. mine. Not mine either. But I'm thinking of, you know, there's work-life balance is always right. been a challenge. Well, I, but if, yeah. you know, if before this, if, if um, you're working too hard for too little, you had poor work-life balance. Um, you got frustrated by patients that only want to have things done if it's covered by their insurance. They're not interested in anything that isn't covered by their insurance. If that was your life, then I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really want things to return to normal? Do you really? And I'm often asked the question, and I'll get right to it very directly. Gary, is now the time to go out of network? To resign from PPO plans, I'm often asked that question. And Art, mm. if you if if you were Dr. Art Wiederman and you were asking me that question on May 14th, my answer, if you mean on May 14th, the answer is no, no. Now is not the time. May 14th, right? I believe that would be a little bit tone deaf, yeah, to your community, to your patients. However. Never a better time to reassess this right. and do everything possible to get in place. And, you know, our, one thing you and I, in fact, I'd be interested in your opinion about this. If we draw a horizontal line in, in front of us on the horizon, just uh, out, out on the horizon, and on the right side, 
I'm talking about the economic recovery. Right. The economic recovery is weak and slow on the right side. And if we're on the left side, the economic recovery is strong and fast. I'd love to know what your crystal ball is. The truth is we don't know. I hope it's, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, hopefully a little bit more towards the left side, towards the strong and fast. Would, would you, I imagine that's your hope as well? Yeah. It, it's, you know, Gary, I think it depends on the area of the country. Absolutely. We, we have a, we have a, a, a group. Uh, I, I do mention them occasionally. They're just the, the, the most wonderful group of doctors in the Southwest. They are in a town that has just been absolutely decimated people moving out businesses closing down yeah. that that's tough but if you but if you're in an area that is got you know good housing good you know reasonable job opportunity now jobs are crazy here right. it's going to take time to come back some time. but it will come back because what we have to remember gary this is not Although it's turned into a massive economic problem, I mean, our government—it—it—it it, it, it just boggles my mind to say they, the Democrats, you know, they—they they want to put another three trillion dollars in it, six trillion dollars in two months. I mean, that—that's mind-boggling. But this is not an economic. This is issue. This is a public health issue. And once they are able to find a vaccine or a treatment or something for this, just like they did with AIDS, just like they did with SARS. It will come back. It's going to take a while. I think that anybody who is of the opinion that Q3 and Q4, although you are positive because you've got a plan, but in our economy, that Q3 and Q4 are just going to come roaring back like there was nothing that happened. Oh, no. It's not going to happen. But in your dental office, you can. You can do it. Yeah. I mean – you know, when it comes right down to it, you know, we've been through this in my own practice in, in 2007, 2008, and that now has a label called the Great Recession. Right. Um, and, and in my county, in Maricopa County, uh, you know where Phoenix is, and Phoenix is in Maricopa County. It's one of the largest counties in the United States by uh, geography and also by population. Art, you may not know this, but in 07 and 08, there were, before 07, there were 1,800 general dental practices in my county, 1,800 general dental practices. Uh-huh. Now remember, it's a large county with population and, and geography. After the Great Recession, after 08, we know that 400 of them failed. Right. So, 1,800 went to 1,400. And if you do the math on that, that's one out of every 4.5 practices. Wow. One out of every 4.5% per, failed. Now, we not only survived that, but we figured out how to thrive in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to say is that imagine when – we don't know when that time frame is, when, when we start to see a little bit of economic recovery. But imagine that happening. Just jump in faith with me if you have to. Sure. Imagine that. And imagine you being my patient, Art. And imagine me being the dentist and imagine me having a conversation like this with you when, and just, we don't know when this time is, but just imagine that. Okay. Okay. Art, uh, I want to share with you a decision that we've made in the practice. And first of all, before I tell you that decision, I want you to know that every one of our patients is important to me. You are, are an important patient to me. We, we appreciate you. Thank you. We've made the decision that, that as of, such and such a date will no longer be in network with your insurance company. Now, let me tell you why we've done that, Art. Um, we've discovered if we were to continue to be in network, we simply could not provide the safe environment 
that we require for you see all the different things that we're doing now uh, with regard to the, the COVID-19. You see all the things that we're doing. Yeah. And by the way, if, if the let me go off script for just a minute. If the patient can't see all the stuff that you're doing, then they don't know all the stuff that you're doing. So <laughs> they've got to see that things are, are different in your practice. Right. And are, you see all the things that we're doing. And your safety, your safety is our number one priority. And we discovered if we were to stay in there, we simply couldn't do all the things we need to do to keep this environment as safely as possible. So we've made the decision to go out of network. However, here's the good news. Art, you can still use your insurance benefits in our practice. Um, whatever benefits you have, you can use them. We will still have, we'll still file your claims. Uh, we'll still have the insurance coordinator. Uh, her job is to go to bat for you with the insurance company and get every nickel of benefit that you have. That you're entitled to. Yeah. Uh, that you're entitled to. And it's my fondest hope that you appreciate our priority of your safety that you appreciate the quality of care you receive. You appreciate the individual attention we provide you. You appreciate the fact that we treat you like we would a loved one or family member. And it's my fondest hope that you continue to come here for your dental care. Now, Art, I don't believe that every single patient will just say yes, because, you know, you and I have had the privilege of traveling in some third world countries. Yes. And I'm sure, uh, You've done the same thing that I do. I always, I always make it a, a habit to try to poke around and see what dentistry looks like in third world countries. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. But in, in many third world countries, dentistry in a village could be an old man with a pair of rusty pliers on the street corner. Uh, I did see that when I was in Tanzania. Uh, yeah. I w- went to a medical clinic and they, they showed me and I just, I just had to yeah. shake my head. Yeah. And it could, you know, to be fair, it could also be a clinic or an office that looks somewhat like an office might look like in the United States. Yeah. Uh, but I believe we're, Regardless of where you are, I'll just use Phoenix because I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I believe there are some people, if there was the option of dentistry being an old man on the street corner with a pair of rusty pliers, for some people, that would be just fine. Right. I, I truly believe that. Right. But they aren't my target patients. They aren't your target patients. They aren't who we build a practice around. So I think we've got a, 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 an opportunity to change your relationship with the insurance companies out of this, out of this credit. The oh, I, I, I'm over so it. hoping that we can do that, Gary. I am so with you on that. Art, can I put you on the spot? Sure. You know numbers like no one I know. Okay. Um, uh, Thank you for that. Uh, Rain Man comes to mind in a really positive <laughs> way. <laughs> I wish I looked like Tom Cruise, but go ahead. <laughs> Rain Man, I'm, I'm using it in a really positive way. Okay. Art. Um. When you're looking at a practice and they've got low profitability, low profitability could be a result of a lot of things. But what do you often find is the number one reason for uh, uh, lower profitability than it should be? What do you think the number one reason is? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's not overhead. I can tell you that, Gary. They all want to cut. Everybody wants to cut their overhead. No. I start asking all kinds of questions. What's your case acceptance percentage? What what percentage of your patients are reappointing um, after they leave? Uh, what percentage of your of your productions in the four thousand codes? I start digging. In. What's your uncompleted treatment plan? Um, uh, Go amount. even more core. I'll guide you. Get even more core. This is a PPO practice. What's their number one reason for low profitability? 
well, we're, we're paying, as you've said to me over the years, we're paying a big marketing expense to get patients. <laughs> You're paying 38. Per, when we yeah. were involved, when we were in network with yeah. 34 PPO oh, yeah. plans, our average adjustment was 34%, yeah. 38%, excuse me, 38%. Uh-huh. Today, by the way, because the fees have gone down, um, it's it's uh, 42%. You can't give 42% off the top and get your profit. Those are the offices and, on that right side. They're in panic. And And you've got all this new... PPE expense and the insurance companies are giving you anywhere between seven and 12 or $14 per patient. And and we're all jumping up and down, but it doesn't this go. And then we've got to wrap up here in a second, Gary, doesn't this really go to, if you build trust with the patient and the, and you care about those patients that when you have that conversation about not being able to be in network anymore, that patient is going to do one of two things. They're either going to go, Okay, well, that just means I have to find another dentist who's in network. Or what we hope it means is that you've built such trust with that patient that that patient's going to say, Dr. Takis, uh, you know what? I I get it. I understand. Maybe it'll cost me a little more money, but I would never go anywhere else for my dental care other than to you. Isn't that what it comes down to? 100% are. It comes down to being a relationship-driven practice relationship-driven practice. Now, I'm going to challenge your listeners. Many of your listeners uh, would think of themselves as a relationship-driven practice, but I want to give you a homework assignment right now that is the litmus test on this. Remember how we said we're calling people and, you know, when we were shut down, we're calling, uh, contacting people, either, you know, emailing, texting, or calling and just reaching out to them. And and we said that one group that we would do that with was our older patients. And I shared a story or two about the older patients. Right. Well, no, another group of people that we decided that we would call would be um, people in our practice that own businesses that were shut down. Yep. And here's the homework assignment, doctor. If you can't name 20 patients by name without looking in the computer, without looking in the record, if you can't name 20 of those just by name off of your memory. These are people that own businesses that were shut down. Then you may not have the level of relationship-driven practice that you think mm, you have. That's really interesting, Gary. I love that. I, I mean, love that. And I'm not. I'm not trying to be critical, but you know, uh, Art, you've taught me, uh, and and I, I I know I can't credit you with this quote because it had to emanate from somewhere else. But I always credit you because you taught me this. You always said, Gary, data never lies. Data right. never lies. No, no. And and I'll give you one more thing. And and again, like I say, Gary, I, you and I could do this podcast for like five hours and not stop talking <laughs> and stuff. But um, I, I'll tell you a quick story. And I, I think I've told this. If I have, if you're a new listener to the podcast, you may not have heard it. But my 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 son Forrest, who Gary knows, and he's in the he works in the dental industry, and he's the most amazing, Love. amazing human being, amazing son that anybody could have. Both my boys are yes, amazing. Yes, and yes, yes. And and so so Forrest was was trying to get recruited to be a college baseball player. He was a very good baseball player. And we went to a, a, a camp at San Diego State. And uh, this guy named Trotsky, he got up there and he's talking to the parents. He's talking to the kids. And he goes, you know, guys, here's the deal. You, you're going to try and figure out what these college coaches here are looking for, whether you how you throw the ball or how you catch it or how you swing or how you make contact. It doesn't matter. There are two things that you control, kids, your attitude and your effort. And I'll tell you, when he said that, I use that with my kids, with my, with my, with the people I work with 
You only control your attitude and your effort. You don't control COVID-19. You don't control businesses shutting down. You don't control what they're doing in Washington, but you control what's between your four walls and you control your attitude and your effort. And if your attitude and your effort is not up to snuff right now, doctors, you're you're going to have a really, really hard time coming back. Isn't that right, Gary? Absolutely. So, so I'll bring this, I'll tie this in and we'll put a ribbon on it on this thought. Yeah, let's do that. So as you open back up, here's how I want you to spend your first couple of weeks because we're in the middle of it right now. Uh, uh, tomorrow will be the end of our second week back. And one of the things we decided to do was to over-prepare for every patient that we're seeing these first couple of weeks. And we plan to continue that. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, you know, you got to think about it. Who are the patients you're going to be seeing in the first couple of weeks that you open back up? They will be your fanboy or your fangirl patients. Right. 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 Because they, they love you. Yep. They trust you. Yep. Um, they know you would never compromise their safety. They're voting with their feet to show up. And, and maybe in some way, they just want to show you that I'm here for you, man. I'm, I'm, you're going to be okay, doc. I'm here. So do your homework. And what I mean by that, I hope you will have a place in your software where you keep personal notes about patients, uh, spouses, names, kids, names, dogs, names, hobbies, interests, important events in their life. I don't like to put that in the clinical notes because it doesn't belong there, but it belongs in a spot in your computer. So every morning, doctor, come in 30 minutes before your, your morning huddle and, and pull up that note section on every one of your pages. I hope you have a pretty good memory, but it doesn't hurt to use technology to help you. You know, that computer we have in front of us, Art, has better memory than both of us. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to think we both have a good memory, but that computer has an, an impeccable one. Age, so age that does that to you. Yeah. And if it's me, you know, you're going to walk in and, and you're going to say, hey, you know, Gary, it's so good to see you. How's Therese doing? You know, I imagine, you know, she wasn't able to teach yoga during the shutdown. Uh, you know, how's she doing? And I know your daughter, Lexi, just had a grandson. Um, yeah. uh, how's your new grandson doing? Um, and, and, you know, uh, you can't fake this stuff. Nope. But I believe your listeners genuinely care about their patients. Uh, and you want to go you want to go above and beyond in these first couple of weeks to connect with your patients. So the first couple of weeks is all about relationship and connection. It's less about efficiency and production. You'll get that later. You'll get that. It's almost like you're buying, you've bought a new practice and they're all new patients almost. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine turning, you know, these patients that you see in the first couple of weeks into your practice amb- ambassadors that, you know, imagine that, pay- imagine me going back out, and, and coming back home and saying, honey, Dr. Art asked me about, about you and was concerned about you. He asked about yoga. Um, he asked about Canaan, our grandson. And right. it was so nice to see him. Uh, yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, going back to your work and, and sharing that with coworkers. Um, but man, if we can bring this back, you know, if we, if we can kind of bring this full circle, our dentistry rocks, it's an amazing time to be in our profession. Yes, we've all been punched in the mouth, but it's not so much what happens that matters because stuff's going to happen. I think there's a, a bumper sticker that says that art. I think it says something other than stuff. <laughs> it probably we'll, we'll does. Keep, we'll keep your podcast G rated so you yep. earn the iTunes G rating. We, we do uh, need to do that. Yes, please. We'll keep that. Uh, but, you know, stuff happens. Well, it's not what happens that matters. It's how you respond and what to you it. do. And I want you it. to respond with leadership, with optimism, with emotional intelligence, and you're going to be just fine. I want to, I want to do a shout out to you. You, you and I have been in this profession 35, 40 years. What you have done 
for the dentists of America in all of your lectures and all of your tapes and all of your webinars now in everything that you've done. Uh, you are an inspiration. Um, you know, I, every time I listen to you, I learn new stuff. I, I want to thank you on behalf of our thousands of, of listeners for everything that you have done, you and your team at the, the Takis Learning Center, uh, what Naren has done on your podcast, what, what you've all done to help the dental profession. Gary, you, you are, uh, you, you got a place in dental heaven. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully not you. for a while because we need <laughs> you. We really need you. Um, Gary, if someone wants to get a hold of you or they want to shoot you something, what, what's the best way to do that? Is that you bet. so the two podcasts, uh, thriving dentist show, uh, and also less insurance dependence podcast. You can find those both on iTunes. If you're an Apple person, you can find them on Google play, by the way, all 435 episodes of thriving dentist show can be downloaded. Yeah. Our 85 episodes of less insurance dependence can be downloaded. Uh, two different websites I'll direct you to. Uh, one would be thrivingdentist.com. Uh, the other would be lessinsurancedependence.com. My email, I love getting emails. Email is gary at takas, T-A-K-A-C-S, learning center, C-E-N-T-E-R. Uh, gary at takas, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Hey, and if you love uh, uh, text messages, uh, send me a text message. Let me give you my cell, 602 321 one seven seven eight. Wow. Uh, so you, wow. that's my personal cell. You can text me uh, anytime. Six zero two three two one one seven seven eight. Don't bother leaving me a message because the message says don't leave a message. Just yeah. hang up and send me a text. I, I learned that early in the game. You and I communicate strictly by text and stuff like that. It works and, great. And I do look forward to the date that you and I and Therese and Lynn sit out on a patio looking over the ocean at some point and having dinner or you and I getting back on the golf course and, 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 you know, this, this will pass. And, and, and folks, I have been using a five word phrase from the beginning. Failure is not an option. And that is my rallying cry to everybody well, I, in the I, dental profession. Failure think, is not an option. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your passion. Uh, thank you for your commitment to this amazing profession. Yeah. Uh, it's it's truly appreciated. You've been a dear friend for many, well, many, many years, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Art. Well, Gary Takis, thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, uh, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, I'm at 714-505-9000. Email me a question. I'll answer your questions. I'll help you as much as I can. I may never meet you, but I'm going to help you. Um, and that's artweederman at gmail.com, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. Go to Decisions in Dentistry magazine. Um, go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Look at their great content, their CE courses. And if, again, if you're not working with a, a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, uh, www.adcpa.org, we're here with you. So by the time you listen to this, we will have already had the forgiveness regulations out. We believe we've got notification of it. So you will be able to hear this in a uh, right around the end of May. And uh, if you're listening to this, and you missed the prior one, we're going to talk about hopefully all of these new forgiveness rules to get you best through this PPP. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about our podcast. It is blowing up. Um, I, 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 I won't ever catch Gary's 435 or so episodes. Uh, he's my inspiration, has been, always will be. Uh, but we're going to keep doing this as long as uh, I have a voice. And uh, for this episode, uh, we're done. 
Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next time on the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.